This is Shakespeare Closely Read. In this podcast, I read the works of William Shakespeare and other authors in the public domain. In addition to reading these works in their entirety, I will stop frequently to comment on the text, its meaning, and lessons to be drawn. This is not a program for debate over who really wrote Shakespeare's works, whether he was a Catholic or to dispute his sexuality. Rather, this is a place for lovers of Shakespeare's words, 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 to quote Hamlet. I delight in the beauty of his language and believe that through this beauty we can find truth and how to live a virtuous life. Drop me an email at shakespeareclosely at gmail.com if you have questions or would like some help. So with that, let us begin this week's episode. We left off last time with the end of Hamlet's first great soliloquy, ending, But break my heart, for I must hold my tongue. Hamlet here seems resigned to misery and that he's stuck in a, in a very bad position. He's very sad over the death of his, of his father and also very upset that his mother married so hastily his, his uncle Claudius, whom he considers to be inferior to his deceased father. So now um, Hamlet's friends will come in and tell him what they've seen of the ghost. Enter Horatio, Marcellus, and Bernardo. Hail to your lordship. I'm glad to see you well. Horatio, or do I forget myself? Um, this is usually played as Hamlet is distracted. Uh, he doesn't even recognize his best friend Horatio at first. The same, my lord, and your poor servant ever. Sir, my good friend, I'll change that name with you. That means uh, uh, they're both going to be, uh, they'll call each other their good friends. And what make you from Wittenberg, Horatio, Marcellus, my good lord? I'm very glad to see you, to Bernardo. Good even, sir. But what in faith make you from Wittenberg? A truant disposition, good my lord. I would not hear your enemies say so, nor shall you do my ear that violence to make it truster of your own report against yourself. I know you are no truant, but what is your affair in Elsinore? We'll teach you to drink deep ere you depart. Now, this is interesting that Hamlet won't hear of any uh, slanders against his friend, even from himself. This will contrast later distinctly with what Polonius says about his son Laertes. He it, um, tells his, his messenger when he goes to see Laertes in Paris to go about the town and lay slanders on him. Um, Hamlet stands for the truth and friendship and good comradeship. And uh, Horatio is the same, even though they engage in what may, might be called sort of a good-natured student raillery against each other. Um, also, Rosencrantz and, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern did the same thing later, but there's a distinct difference in the relation and in the tone of the exchanges between Horatio and Hamlet and those of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, which we will see. My lord, I came to see your father's funeral. I pray that you do not mock me, fellow student. I think it was to see my mother's wedding. Indeed, my lord, it followed hard upon. Thrift, thrift, Horatio. The funeral baked meats did coldly furnish forth the marriage tables. Would I had met my dearest foe in heaven, or ever I had seen that day, Horatio. My father, methinks I see my father. Okay, we see the reference there again to the uh, 
the discord um, that the funeral bake meets meets are coldly furnishing forth the marriage tables. Of course, funeral uh, is cold. The body is cold. Marriages are not supposed to be that way. Also interesting to hear, he had met his dearest foe in heaven. We'll see several references in the play to the worst thing you can do is to send your enemies to heaven and vice versa. You want to see them punished in, in hell. Um, this becomes key later on in a very important scene where Horatio comes very close to killing Claudius. My father, methinks I see my father. Where, my lord? In my mind's eye, Horatio. I saw him once. I was a goodly king. I was a man. Take him for all in all. I shall not look upon his like again. My lord, I think I saw him yesternight. Saw who? My lord, the king, your father, the king, my father, season your admiration for a while with an attent ear till I may deliver upon the witness of these gentlemen this marvel to you. For God's love, let me hear. Two nights together had these gentlemen, Marcellus and Bernardo, on their watch in the dead waste in middle of the night been thus encountered a figure like your father, armed at point exactly, kappa pay. That means uh, from head to foot appears before them and with solemn march goes slow and stately by thrice he walked by the by their oppressed and feared and fear surprised eyes within his truncheon's length that's her spear while they distilled almost to jelly with the act of fear now that's an interesting image there distilled almost to jelly that means they were trembling but it also can show uh, the sort of progress that we saw earlier uh, with the uh, the way that, that Hamlet mentions that uh, these two, two solid flesh would melt, uh, dissolve, and resolve itself into a dew. Here we have it distilled, their bodies, uh, almost to jelly. Uh, the change, again, of their body distilled, uh, that is changed almost to jelly. With the act of fear, stand dumb and speak not to him. This to me in dreadful secrecy in part did that they did. And I with them the third night kept the watch, where, as they had delivered both in time, form of the thing, each word made true and good, the apparition comes. I knew your father. These hands are not more like. But where was this? My Lord, upon the platform where we watch. Did you speak to it? My Lord, I did, but answer made it none. Yet once methought it lifted up it lifted up its head and did address itself to motion, like as it would speak. But even then the morning cock crew loud, and at the sound it shrunk in haste away and vanished from our sight. Tis very strange. As I do live, my honored Lord, tis true. And we did think it writ down in our duty to let you know of it. Indeed, indeed, sirs, but this troubles me. Hold you watch tonight. We do, my Lord. Armed, you say. Armed, my Lord, from top to toe. My Lord, from head to foot. Then you saw not his face. Oh, yes, my lord. He wore his beaver up. That's his um, uh, his helmet's visor. What looked he a frowningly, a countenance more in sorrow than in anger, pale or red, nay, very pale, and has fixed his eyes upon you most constantly. I would I had been there. It would have much amazed you. Very like, very like. Stayed it long, while one with moderate haste might tell a hundred. Longer, longer. Not when I saw it. His beard was grizzled, no. 
It was, as I've seen it in his life, a sable silver. Uh, notice Hamlet is cross-examining uh, Horatio, uh, Marcellus, and Bernardo very closely about the way the ghost looked. And um, it could be he's trying to find inconsistencies. He's not yet given himself over to believe in this. I will watch tonight. Perchance twill walk again. I warrant it will. If I if it assume my noble's father person, I'll speak to it, though hell itself should gape and bid me hold my peace. I pray you all, if you have hitherto concealed this sight, let it be tenable in your silence still. And whatsoever else may happen tonight, give it an understanding, but no tongue. Uh, that is, don't speak to anybody. Um, watch and understand, but don't speak about it. I will requite your love, so fare you well. Upon the platform, twixt eleven and twelve, I'll visit you. Our duty to you, honor. Your loves as mine to you, farewell. My father's spirit in arms, all is not well. I doubt some foul play. That means he thinks some something's wrong. Would the night were come? Till then, sit still, my soul. Foul deeds will rise, though all the earth overwhelm them to men's eyes. Uh, that's somewhat like the expression, murder will out. And that's uh, these foul deeds he suspects are going to be shown. And that's it for Act 1, Scene 2. We then move to Scene 3, and we meet Polonius. Uh, he did have a couple of lines earlier, but now we see a scene uh, with Laertes, Ophelia, and then Polonius. Elsinore, a room in the house of Polonius. Enter Laertes and Ophelia. My necessaries are embarked, farewell. And sister, as the winds give benefit and convoy is assistant, do not sleep, but let me hear from you. Um, that is, he asked her to go ahead and write him, so I guess uh, he would get a letter soon after he arrived. Do you doubt that? For Hamlet and the trifling of his favor, hold it a fashion and a toy in blood, a violet in the youth of primy nature, forward, not permanent, sweet, not lasting. The perfume and suppliance of a minute, no more, no more but so. Think it no more, for nature crescent does not grow alone in thews and bulk. But as this temple waxes, the inward service of the mind and soul grows wide withal. Um, that is, he's saying, as, um, uh, as the body grows um, and the, uh, the mind and the soul grows also. Perhaps he loves you now. And now no soil nor cotyl doth besmirch the virtue of his will. But you must fear. His greatness weighed, his will is not his own, for he himself is subject to his birth. He may not, as unvalued persons do, carve for himself. For on his choice depends the safety and health of this whole state. And therefore must his choice be circumscribed unto the voice and yielding of that body whereof he is the head. Then if he says he loves you, if it's your wisdom so far to believe it, as he in his particular act and place may give his saying deed, which is no further than the main voice of Denmark goes with all. That is, uh, it would be the king's decision who Hamlet would marry. Then weigh what loss your honor may sustain. If with to creed and ear you list his songs or lose your heart or your chaste treasure open to his unmastered importunity, uh, that is, if she yields up her virginity to Hamlet. Fear it, Ophelia, fear it, my dear sister, and keep you in the rear of your affection, out of the shot and danger of desire, 
Um, that is, he uses a military metaphor there. Don't go up to the front line, stay in the, stay in the rear. The chariot maiden is prodigal enough as she unmasks her beauty to the moon. Virtue itself escapes not calumnious strokes. The canker galls the infants of the spring, too oft before their buttons be disclosed, and in the morn and liquid dews of youth, contagious blasphemies are most imminent. imminent. Uh, that, are, that is, if things come up early in spring, uh, a frost might uh, kill them back. Um, so he's telling her not to yield too quickly uh, to Hamlet. Be wary then, best safety lies in fear. Youth to itself rebels, though none else near. I shall the effect of this good le- of this good lesson keep as watchman to my heart. But good my brother, do not as some ungracious pastors do, show me the steep and thorny way to heaven, whiles like a puffed and reckless libertine, himself the primrose path of dalliance treads, and reeks not his own reed. Uh, that is, uh, she's telling him, don't be a hypocrite. Uh, if you're telling me to abstain from these things, you need to um, yourself. And uh, that phrase there, primrose path of dalliance, uh, um, that's sometimes been uh, shortened to this primrose path, and it's a semi-famous phrase. Oh, fear me not. Enter Polonius. I stay too long, but here my father's come. Here my father comes. A double blessing is a double grace. Occasion smiles upon a second leaf. That is, uh, Polonius has already uh, wished him goodbye earlier, and doubtless uh, with a lot of his polonial advice. Yet here, Laertes, abroad, abroad for shame. The wind sits in the shoulder of your sail, and you are stayed for it. That is, uh, the wind is puffing out the sails. There, my blessing with thee. And these few precepts in thy memory, look thou character. Give thy thoughts no tongue, nor any proportion thought his act. Um, That is, he's advising him not to say anything. Now, Hamlet had earlier asked his friends, in essence, to do the same thing. Almost everything that Laertes says here to his son is really sort of wicked. And it might be a way to get a whole, to get ahead in the world. But in essence, he's advising him through all of this advice to be dishonest, um, to be withholding of his money, of himself, of him, of his counsel. Again, it might be a way to get ahead in the world, but it's not the type of open and virtuous character that Shakespeare consistently seemed to be putting forth as the best way to live one's life. Give thy thoughts no tongue, nor any portion thought his act. Be there familiar, but no means vulgar. Those friends thou hast, and their adoption tried, grapple them to thy soul with hoops of steel. But do not dull thy palm in their attainment of each new hatched, unfledged courage. Beware of entrance to a quarrel. Being in, bear thou opposed may beware of thee. Um... That is, uh, it could be, too, sort of saying, again, don't let anyone know what you're really thinking, um, because that could could somehow provoke a quarrel. Um, But being in, um, he wants his son to win. That is, the opposed beware of thee. Give every man thy ear, but few thy voice. We hear again that um, don't, in essence, uh, tell what you're thinking. Take each man's censure, but reserve thy judgment. 
costly thy habit as thy purse can buy, but not expressed in fancy, rich, not gaudy. For the apparel oft proclaims the man, and they in France of the best rank and station are most select and generous chief in that. Neither a borrower nor a lender be, for loft for loan oft loses both itself and friend. Okay, that's a very famous line, neither borrower nor a lender be. Um, from uh, else in Shakespeare's works, he, he liked his, his people, he thought it was a virtue to be liberal with what you had, especially uh, with your friends. And Polonius is here saying, don't be a borrower or a lender. For loan oft loses both itself and friend, and borrowing dudge dulls the edge of husbandry. That is, uh, he's saying his son should uh, should take care of his own needs, and the husbandry there means uh, to like till the earth or something like that. This above all, to thine own self be true. Okay, there's another very famous line, to thine own self be true. Um, you will hear this line frequently quoted as Shakespeare thought this is a good thing. To thine own self be true. That is not what he meant here. This is actually very wicked advice. Um, if you use yourself as a standard, then in essence, you have no standard at all because whatever you do is your, is your standard. You're just left adrift. We should be true to something else. Uh, Shakespeare would have probably said to Christ, uh, you should be true. But certainly to virtue, to truth, uh, these are all things to be true to itself, not to your own self. To thine own self be true, and it must follow as the night the day. Thou canst not be false to any man. Uh, I don't see that at all, how one follows from the other. If you're true to yourself, how can you be false? How can you not be false to any man? Uh, you're false to everyone. If only to yourself, you're true. Farewell. My blessing season this in thee. Most humbly do I take my leave, my Lord. The time invites you. Go. Your servants tend. Farewell, Ophelia. And remember well what I have said to you. Tis in my memory locked. And you yourself shall keep the key of it. Farewell. What is it, Ophelia, that has said to you? Okay, Ophelia just said she's not going to say anything to anybody, and she breaks her promise immediately. So please you, something touching the Lord Hamlet. And that's an interesting word there, touching. Um, she herself perhaps has been touching Hamlet. Uh, that's one meaning out there. The, 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 the surface meaning is touching means concerning. Um, so it could be read as something concerning the Lord's ham Hamlet, but using the word touching there uh, has a physical connotation as well. Mary, well be thought. Tis told that he hath oft of late given private time to you and you yourself. Have of your audience been most free and bounteous. If it be so, and so tis put on me, and that in way of caution, I must tell you, you do not understand yourself so clearly as it behooves my daughter and your honor. What is between you? Give me up the truth. He hath, my lord, of late made many tenders of his affection to me. Tender there means to offer something. Uh, also in, in love and tenderness, there's a double meaning there. Affection. Pooh, you speak like a green girl. Unsifted in such perilous circumstances. Do you believe his tenders as you call them? Uh, now he calls his daughter there a green girl. 
which means a virgin. So he just said, hey, you're talking like a virgin. Um, so he's rather smearing his own, his daughter's own reputation there. He's saying, hey, you're acting like a virgin. Well, she's supposed to be. Um, so Polonius is, uh, doesn't think much of his daughter, actually. I do not know, my lord, what I should think. Mary, I will teach you. Think yourself a baby that you obtain these tenders for true pay. That is, a tender is an offer. Uh, there's a legal connotation to there and, and saying instead of an offer for true pay, uh, which are not sterling. Um, reference there to, to sterling as in a sterling pound, uh, the British currency. Tender yourself more dearly or not to crack the wind of the poor phrase, running it thus, you'll tender me a fool. Uh, they're using it in the in the offering sense of tender. My Lord, he hath importuned me with love in honorable fashion. Ah, fashion, you may call it. Go to, go to. That is, fashion is something that does not last. And hath given countenance to his speech, my Lord, with, all, with almost all the holy vows of heaven. Ah, springes to catch woodcocks. Uh, that is a... A, um, a snare or something like that. A woodcock is a bird. I do not know when the blood burns how prodigal the soul. I, excuse me. I do know when the blood burns how prodigal the soul lends the tongue vows. These blazes, daughter, giving more light than heat, extinct in both, even in their promise, as it is a making. You must not take for fire. Uh, that is, a, it's a sudden blaze. It's not real fire. Uh, that would last. From this time, be much scanter of your maiden presence. Okay, he's back to calling her a virgin now. Set your entreatments at a higher rate than a command to parley. For Lord Hamlet, believe so much in him that he is young, and may with a larger tether, and with a larger tether may he walk than may be given to you. Uh, tether, of course, is a rope um, that's around him. Uh, interesting, though, that he uh, he speaks of Hamlet as having a tether on him. As we uh, discussed in an earlier episode, Polonius was in all likelihood involved with uh, the machinations that gave Claudius the throne. In, a, in few, Ophelia, do not believe his vows, for they are brokers, not of that die which their investments show, but mere Im implorators of unholy suit. That's uh, to implore. Uh, of unholy suits, that is, uh, Polonius saying that Hamlet wants to seduce Ophelia. Breathing like sanctified and pious bods, the better to beguile. Uh, a bod is a, um, a a woman, usually an elderly, somewhat elderly woman, uh, who's given to, uh, to dirty type talk. Uh, this is for all. I would not in plain ter terms from this time forth have you so slender any moment leisure as to give words or talk with the Lord Hamlet. Look to it, I charge you. Come your ways. I shall obey my Lord and extant. And that's probably a good place to stop for this week. Uh, next time we'll have Act 1, Scene 4, where Hamlet meets his father's ghost. Until then, adieu.